You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Okay, we're doing another episode in Copenhagen, Denmark, and this particular episode is sponsored by Menai Ice Cream. If you're looking for quality skateboard and skateboarding clothes, please check out the Menai Ice Cream in Seattle, Washington. And I'd like to dedicate this particular episode to Michael L. Olsen, who is the founder of the magazine, Illegal Magazine. Uh, it's a magazine uh, which is sold by Attic in Copenhagen, Denmark. And they take a portion of the uh, purchase money to buy drugs so they don't have to commit crime or prostitute themselves. And um, in a perfect world, we don't need to do that. But I believe that Danes are pragmatic people. And they're during the horrible situation, they're doing the best they can to deal with it. And uh, I admire um, Michael Olsen. He's doing a wonderful job. And I hope he's... Um, uh, movable ambulance which uh, allow addicts to go in in these vans to uh, inject drugs and uh, uh, preventing spread of uh, STD and so on and um, I, I really admire him so um, I hope he has an opportunity to expand this program in the state so please check out illegalmagazine.dk DK stands for Denmark and the magazine is spelled M-A-G-A-S-I-N so it's illegal, I-L-L-E-G-A-L-M-A-G-A-S-I-N dot D-K for Denmark. So please support the uh, organization Illegal with uh, Michael Olsen. So I'm in Denmark, and I love this country. Unlike Afghanistan, which is considered um, one of the most corrupt countries, lack of transparency, and people are you know having a very tough life. Complete opposite of that is Denmark. One of the happiest country in the world, high transparency, very little corruption to the name, and uh, I'm very happy to be here at my friend Jonathan Cohen Wolf, and uh, he's a fascinating and interesting guy. I've known him for almost three years, and uh, welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Yoshi. Sorry about the long intro. Um, no, I'm just wondering if I'm gonna get paid from your sponsor and all that <laughs> name dropping. <laughs> Um, there's very little money in podcasts, and especially on this one, Jonathan. So you should support Yoshi Didn't <laughs> Podcast if you like to listen to it. I, I do it because it's, it's you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do like it because I have opportunity to talk to people that I like and learn. It doesn't matter how much I think I know the person. When I do podcasts, I always find that something that I didn't know, and it's always surprising. I know you're an um, interesting kid. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I'm 18 years older than you, so there you yeah. go. Um, I, I I met Jonathan two years ago, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Oh, by the way, what district of Copenhagen do we live in? Uh, I live in Valby in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Um, for people outside Copenhagen, it is Copenhagen. But if you're from Copenhagen, I'm not really in Copenhagen. We're in Valby. It's but, uh, suburbs of Copenhagen, yeah, right? like... Mm-hmm. If you're from the Bronx, you're from the Bronx. You're probably not mm-hmm. saying you're from New York, maybe. But, I see. But so for, you, for you, me, everybody who lives in Staten Island would be from New York. Yeah, so, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we'll get in detail, you know, why I'm talking with you because you, um, I met you through Jason Rouse, a comedian yeah. friend of mine from Canada, and I interviewed with him, um, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 episodes back. And um, I was going through a very difficult time at the time because I was just kind of question like, ugh, you know, the comedy thing, you know, I just have a lot of mixed feeling about it. And I have to say, last four or five years, coming to Denmark really saved me because um, most of the Scandinavian countries, you know, everyone speak English, they're very inviting, but Danes have a really wicked sense of humor. I mean, I could, I say some horrible stuff on stage. You guys are really good about it. You know, you, you don't get upset and... Um, we just don't sell tickets the next time. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, we, we're very open-minded here. And as long as it's on stage, mm -hmm. basically almost everything is okay. As long as you don't hurt anybody. Sure. Yeah. I think I think they know that my intention is not that. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know how to describe Jonathan to you guys. He's uh, 26 years old, a very young, uh, young, ambitious, smart guy. And uh, he was um, producing comedy show throughout Denmark. And uh, did, we, did, did you produce stuff in other countries yeah, too? Yeah, with Jason, I produced shows and uh, I sold shows. I didn't produce them. I, 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 I did Jason's shows in, in, in Northern Europe, in Scandinavia. Booked him out to, to a lot of countries. <laughs> Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, uh, the Baltic countries. Uh, so you mean you mean like Estonia? Yeah, Estonia. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what was there was a few countries, uh, small countries. We tried to go to Germany. Sure. So I I met you because um, two and a half three years ago I I, I was in Europe and um, visiting a couple of friends and uh, I, just pure coincidence Jason was also doing shows and. I did a one. The first show that I did for you, it was some major rock bar, and I I, I wasn't really sure what's going to happen because it was packed. It was it was yeah. When you say bar, it's actually a venue, a very well known uh, rock venue where Prince always performs in Copenhagen whenever he's here. So even though he goes to the big uh, arenas and mm -hmm. perform, the day after he always goes to this venue and performs. What, what was the name of it? Uh, the name is uh, Oe Amabiu. And uh, BU stands for cinema, but it's not a cinema. Cinema, it was in the old days. It it was it was great. You know, it's, it's, it it looked like a rock bar, but yeah. it's a big stage, and I didn't know what what to expect. I didn't know. It's wanted to speak English, but get a reference and stuff. I wasn't really sure, but to my surprise, it, it was one of my favorite shows of all time. I mean, the response was great, and I was surprised how appreciative they were. Yeah. Like after the show, they were very. Um, want to talk with you and take pictures and that they're very very kind so like that gave me a little bit of like hope you know yeah how, how to move on from then to stand up and stuff and um at the time when i when i was doing the shows for you i i just uh you know you're just this smart ambitious guy that was thinking about show business and stuff like that but i think uh, one trip or maybe two trips after you start telling me a little bit more about yourself and i was i was really surprised because i never thought you know some of the things that you revealed mm. to me was surprising to me so let's let's start by uh, uh before we talk about some of those things you grew up in northern denmark uh the way most english and americans i guess the way i would have pronounced it jutland oh yeah jutland is the english way to say it and i would say yulen yulen and it's norjuland yulen is the, the northern part of peninsula denmark of denmark that's connected to germany mm -hmm. and then we have the two islands copenhagen is the Island Shellen, mm -hmm. and uh, but the part that's connected to 
Germany is Jylland, mm. and the north part, separated by uh, some water, is mm. North Jutland, uh, and that's where I'm from. And I I I checked the map, and um, you're actually more closer to Gothenburg, Sweden, than Copenhagen. Yeah, four hours on a boat, uh, and I'm in Gothenburg, mm-hmm. or six hours in a train, and I'm in Copenhagen. So, uh, so it's closer. It's quicker for me to go to to Sweden. So you grew up in that northern peninsula, and um, I mean, just describe to me what's it like growing up in that part. It's It's, it's different a, from Copenhagen, right? Yeah, a lot different. Copenhagen is basically the only real capital, the big city center we have. Everything else is different. Uh, and and I lived in the country. It was a town with 30,000 people. Mm-hmm. So it's a small city and the 30,000 is spread in a big area. So this town is not that big. Uh, our town was a bit bigger with the industry because we had a lot of tourists coming from Sweden okay. uh, to buy stuff. Uh, because in Sweden it's very expensive. Uh, at that time it was, so we mm-hmm. had a lot of tourists, and that gave the city um, life. And we have um, a big factory in in my hometown, Martin. That's the guys who make all the lights you'll see in any concert anywhere around the world. The biggest light production company in the world. That's in my hometown. Uh, worked there for a bit too, and uh, and we have a shipyard. So it's like yeah, it was like. We we don't have stables with cows and and pigs, but we were in the country. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a port city. Yeah, a port city, uh, and we live and breathe by the port. You know that was our main income. Everybody knew somebody who worked at the port. So, and and I guess you know obviously when I say your middle name Cohen, that's Jewish name. So you 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 tell you told me your dad's Jewish. Yeah, but. When you live in that part, I mean, did they even know you're half Jewish or whatever it is? No. Like, did you? Did just look at you and think you're Danes, right? Yeah. When, like, when I grew up, I didn't. I don't remember seeing any black guys. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have. So you lived in paradise. Yeah, paradise exactly. No niggas allowed. No. Oh Jesus! I'm joking. <laughs> I thought. Christ we were, sake, I thought right. we were serious. <laughs> Sorry. I'm joking. Wow. No, but no. I grew up in a in an all white <laughs> city. We had yeah. a few immigrants. Yeah, I, I wasn't considered an immigrant. I, I didn't, oh, by the way, I didn't see that coming. No, nobody did. When you talk about northern Denmark, it was pretty much white. Let's be honest. Yeah, especially in my hometown. If you mm-hmm. go up one hour from me, from my hometown, you would see a lot more. But we had the Chinese that had a local grill, and and that was it. And of of course we had some, but I we, you did you just didn't see them. When my father moved to from Israel to Denmark, he was the first uh, dark guy in the town, and he uh, so he was the black guy. He was the black guy, but he was the leader of the basketball team, so he was smart to get a real black guy. Wait, in. But, but why why did your dad go from Israel to Denmark? Oh, he asked me that every time I talk with him. Why he did that? He don't know. No, my mother uh, was raised. Uh, in my hometown and uh, she went to Israel to work on a hospital for Palestine war victims and uh, oh so she was helping Palestinians yeah okay. uh, so, she, is she, so she's a nurse yeah she was uh, I don't know if she was done with her education at that time or if it was prior uh, mm-hmm. but she went down there to work and on the weekends she went to the Dead Sea to, to party yeah. as you do in Israel uh, and uh, and she met my father Mm-hmm. He had a big beard, uh, was buffed, and 
had an a big gun, so that was very interesting for her. Mm-hmm. So so while she was fixing people, he was out hurting the ones <laughs> she was fixing. Right. So uh, so they met. She got pregnant very quickly. And that, that uh, was with your sister. That was with my big sister. So mm-hmm. they flew to Denmark. Um, I actually think he wasn't there at the birth. I don't know. I don't think she, he was. He flew in uh, a bit later, mm-hmm. and then they got me uh, one year after, around one year after. Um, and then he lived here for until I was three years old or something, and he left and went back. They got so divorced. Did your parents ever get married? Yeah, they got married in Denmark. They couldn't get married in Israel because he's a Kohen, and I'm a Kohen. And according to Jewish law, you can't marry anybody who's not Jewish if you're a Kohen. Yeah. Oh, what's uh, in Hebrew? What's Kohen means? Oh, I don't. Uh, Kohen uh, originates from uh, uh, King David's uh, uh, waiters or servants. Mm. Uh, so it was like a group of people who who had to marry within Jewish blood, so mm-hmm. they could preserve the the Jewish blood and all that. So it was like try to keep the blood clean and try to have somebody we can trust. <laughs> Basically, so he had to fly into Denmark to so marry. So he flew to Denmark, married her at the city hall, mm-hmm. not a big church wedding, um, and uh, and he couldn't uh, adapt to the Danish culture. Uh, he was just not uh, at that time. As I said, he was the only foreigner in 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 the town. Racism started to come, uh, so he didn't like it, and he left. Uh, Did he, and he was learn? young. He was very young. He was in his twenty three, twenty four, or something. Did he ever learn to speak Danish? Yeah, and that he did. Uh, yeah, he. My father, when he came to Denmark, the first thing he started to do was to learn the language, and I think that's a big, big thing if you want to be integrated in any place. You have to learn the language, and he learned it in three, four months. He could speak Danish, and uh, Danish how, is that, how is that even possible? Because he worked his ass off. Because he knew that if you can't speak Danish. You won't have any friends in a small town like that. <coughs> so he went every day to to a city close by mm-hmm. and learned Danish, and he got very popular in the town. He was the leader, team leader of the basketball, the coach of the basketball team. Sure. He made them win the series in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was um, he was liked by everyone, uh, and and but but everyone, but not his his friend. He was liked, but but. The, not the city, you know. He I see. he didn't feel at home. He missed uh, Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so 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 they divorced themselves. They got divorced. Moved. He moved to Israel, and I stayed home with my mother and sister. Was it tough growing up without having the father around? Or when I was very young, it wasn't tough because I didn't I I didn't remember having him home. I see. So I didn't miss that, but of course I got very. Um, when I saw my friends with their fam- fathers in the in the city, you know, I I wanted to have that, of sure. course. But when my father was there, he was the coolest dad. You know, mm-hmm. he was the guy who took me to holiday. My mother paid for it. I have to say that. Mm-hmm. But I got to go to holidays where nobody else did. They had a my father owns a shooting range. They sell weapons in Israel. What? So yeah. So, Wait, hold on. Yeah, they. They, that, he he has a gun shop. He owns a gun shop with his brother and my grandfather. Still? Yeah, they still have it. My uh, uncle runs it, and he imports ammunition for the military too. So we sell ammunition to the military in Israel. So, Wait, so what, what's the name of the business? Uh, if, 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 if we have a friend, if we have people listening to the show, they might want to go and check it out. Yeah, I. If you need ammunition and you're in Israel and you don't want to use it on any <laughs> Jews, <laughs> you can uh, hook him. Uh, 
look them up. I'll find them on Facebook because I really don't remember his name. It's some Hebrew name. Um, okay, we'll 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 yeah, we'll uh, get back to that. Yeah, but okay. So whenever you, you visit your dad, um, I I got to shoot with guns at a very early age, legally, not illegally, but in the shooting range, I got to shoot with guns. So when I get home, I could show my friends pictures of me holding guns and. That's gotta be that's gotta be weird because most Europeans never have a chance to exactly. shoot. Exactly, most of my friends still don't believe it to this day. Even though I have videos now with mm -hmm. the iPhone, you know, me shooting uh, a lot of guns, they, you just don't, as a Dane, understand that. But down there, well, it's but, normal. But, but then again, you, don't you guys may have mandatory military service? We have, but you don't take the gun with your home, and it's just not the same. Mm -hmm. uh, so. So that was cool. I could brag about that. When my father was in Denmark, he was a lot younger and more um, fit, so he could go with all our kids to play, mm -hmm. like my friends that they couldn't because they were old. So I enjoyed it, but of course there was a lot of hard times not having a dad. Yeah. My my, I I was only influenced by my mother, and that didn't <laughs> turn out that well. So, do you know more about your Israeli sites? Anything interesting about them? I yeah, mean, so, I mean, obviously having a gun shop. Yeah, and that's uh, my grandfather was a poor man who uh, who uh, grew up in uh, Nazareth, uh, mm -hmm. where Jesus was uh, born, right, and uh, not far from the church. Mm -hmm. And he was one of those who built the city up from the, from a small small town to a big big city now, which they sold to the Arabs. But he was a big businessman, owned a big hotel, was the, uh, not owned it, but was the, um, the director of the, the a big, big hotel, the biggest in the city. So every that, time, and that, that's your grandfather. Yeah, so every time I was down there on holidays, it was like paradise because uh, my one of my uncles was the highest in the police force in Israel. So he knew the president and was with him out to visit people. So he was... You know, everybody knew us. Wait, so he owned, he worked in a hotel and one of your uncle was police force, but family also owned a family business with the guns and yeah, shooting so range. Yeah, so I have my father and two, three uncles I had. Mm -hmm. So one uncle worked in the police, was the highest decorated officer in the Israel police mm -hmm. and, and is known in all of Israel. And uh, not as a good man, but <laughs> as a policeman. Yeah. And, and then the other uncle was in the military and later killed himself. And my father was the gunshop owner with another uncle and my grandfather. I who see. Also had the hotel. He opened the first thing he opened was a a grocery shop with the fruits and stuff like that. Wait, why did you? Do you know any story about your grand uncle killing himself? What, yeah, uh, yeah, you never I do. told me that. It's um, my 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 uncle uh, had a hard time. Uh, he was the youngest, but he wasn't well in his mind. You know, he was. He was not normal. He was very nice, but he was. Uh, I have a picture of him right here. So he he was mentally um, unstable. Unstable. Yeah. Uh huh. Right here. Okay. That's him. A couple and of years before he killed himself. So did you know him well? Yeah. No. I I met him sometimes when every time I was in Israel, I met him for a few days, um, but not that well. Uh, I cried for my father when he died, not for him. Like. If that makes any sense, mm -hmm. uh, because I could see my father knew him well, of course. Mm -hmm. So, but he decided to. His wife wanted to divorce him with the new uh, young kid. I think one year old, two year old, and he didn't want that. So he took them to the hotel woods, and uh, shot the kid and himself. 
Wait, he ki- wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Wait, so this he killed your cousin? Yeah, my uncle killed his own kid, a few years old, and then himself in the woods because he he couldn't bear losing the kid, and he thought that was the best. So the mother is still alive. The mother's still alive. We don't have any contact with her because the family doesn't like her because most of them blame her. I don't think she's to blame at all. I, I think don't know. I think um, if you're if you're telling me if he had a mental illness problem, I I don't think it's. I mean, I don't know the woman. I don't know your uncle, but it just seemed a bit harsh. Yeah, because I'm sure this is not easy thing for her. But either. it's easier for them to blame her because was, they need to blame something. Yeah, and it's not mm. funny to blame the one they love and they wanna moan over. So. Did you did you knew your cousin? Uh, no, I never met him. I see. Uh, but they uh, named the park after him now in Israel. So that's what, what's the name of the park? His name, and then park. Well, do you remember his name? I don't really remember his name. It's embarrassing. Uh, some Israeli name. I never, I never <laughs> met him, and I never uh, okay. said the name. So I don't really. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, no, 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 no. I mean, I yeah. just, I don't want to make light of it because that shit runs in my family too. Yeah. But, um, That's a suicide and a murder. Yeah, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, you know? and the problem was that because some of my family haven't always lived on the right side of the law, so there was a lot of press connected to the murder. Because was it himself or was mm-hmm. it a murder? There was like a bit of a question mark there at sure. the start from the media, and there was a lot of talk because my family is well known in in parts of Israel. So it was not good for the family. It was very hard, mm-hmm. and my father changed a lot. Uh, But at the end, he changed to a better man, I would say. Yeah, and we grew very close uh, after that. You don't have to answer this, but um, when you said they were not always on the right side of the law, um, I mean, is there anything that you could talk about? My that? uncle, who killed himself, once stole my father's car, mm-hmm. drove around, and sold ecstasy in the town, and my father didn't appreciate it that because <laughs> that the. <laughs> That disturbed. He didn't appreciate it because he didn't get his cut, or he just didn't appreciate. Oh, because uh, that made the police watch him in a way that's not good when you work with other stuff in Israel. I see. And my, you have to remember, Israel is a, another country, and my father was um, doing stuff that's not always all legal. He's not a killer or anything mm-hmm. uh, when he's off duty from the military, but but he's he's not he like you can do stuff. In in the states that you can't do in Israel, so they do it underground, and and when your give me brother, an example, gambling and stuff. Okay. So so if your uncle or or your brother is the police officer, you can do that. So but then it's not good because that, you have the police protection. Yes. Yeah. So but it's not good that the young guy drives around doing drugs. I see. And so so he well, got you taken. Know, you to, know, he, he actually got taken to the same woods mm-hmm. as he killed himself. And got beaten up by my dad uh, for doing that. I see. So, um, I I'm I have Japanese name. I've said this before. I'm but I'm ethnically Korean, and I I do have family member that made living out of gambling and stuff. So, mm. and I quite un- I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And we didn't have anyone in police force, but you basically wink wink, little bit of cash in the envelope, and they not don't even cash in the envelope because my uncle was the boss. Mm-hmm. In the well, that's what we had to do. Yeah, that, yeah. You had, yeah. So, so, but, but it's not. It's it shouldn't sound like it was a big, big thing. Mm. It was just like if if you in Israel want to do a, a poker game with a few mm. friends, that's very, very illegal. And sure. if the police hear about it, they will shut it down. So gambling is illegal in Israel. So, so even a small game is very illegal, and it's mm. and that's what they did. 
So that's your um, Israeli side. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll talk about the next phase about you growing up in that area. But if you remember something, other stories like that, let me know. But so this is the part that really, um, either second or third time I was working with you, you know, you told me something really personal about you that I, I was really surprised. You know, my, my image of you was that that smart kid went to good school and uh, maybe a little mischievous, but yeah. want to have fun, but very ambitious. And, you know, your prototypical, what I what I uh, see is a uh, successful, ambitious Jewish person, which is they're really good at schmoozing and talking to people, fun. You know, you're really yeah. fun. Even if you have uh, some bad news you want to pass, you're able to say it, uh, not, per, uh, not personally attacking people. You just you tell them what's going on. And also you always say something funny afterward, yeah. make everyone comfortable. So you told me at one point you're one of the biggest um, drug dealer in northern Denmark. Yeah. When you were you're when you were a teenager. Like yes. you had like adults working for you. Exactly. And and this is this is actually smart because if you're juvenile, even if you get caught, you're not gonna get the time like the adults would. No, exactly. The first couple of years in my I was untouchable because they couldn't even put me to prison, so why bother? So, but how how did it, how does how does one get into drug business? It was for me. It was very simple. I <coughs> I didn't have a father, so the the city gave me like this contact person who I could hang out with once in a while. A, a, a older it, guy. Is this like uh, in the states we have a thing of Big Brother? Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and I got him, and he was so cool. He was not a drug dealer. Uh, but he was very cool and I looked up to him and mm -hmm. I would never smoke a joint, never do anything. And a lot of people around me did that, but mm -hmm. I would never do it. Uh, out, out of the respect for this person. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I was a troublemaker. We, I didn't go to school. I didn't want to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, and so they gave me him and that helped a lot. But budget cuts and all that ended up with me not having him, but having a lot of friends who did a lot of drugs. And uh, and, and, and like like, how old were you the first time you saw a drug? The very first time? I I, I was probably, I saw a cannabis when I was maybe 12 or 13. Right. We started to drink when we were, we was, uh, we were 12. Me and my friends would hang out behind the old uh, fish factory. Is that a common with the young European kids? It's common to drink young, but not that young. Uh, and not in the extent that we did. Right. We, I, well, I how do you get a beer at twelve? I don't understand. How do you? You just walk to the gas station and buy it. It's like it's not. It's a small town. You uh, you can do what you want. So I grew up with. I want went to a a, a normal school, yeah. public school in Denmark. The public school is normal. It's not like the states. But I my friends, some of them were from very poor families, and I wasn't. I was from a good family, a well known family in the town. So. Uh, but my friends weren't. They were very poor. They had parents who got uh, moms who got beaten up by the dads, and you know, really the the scum uh, on the planet kind of people. Right. So, so when I was with them, we were by the big brothers, seeing all this stuff, and I didn't do it. I drank, but that was it. But we made a lot of trouble. Like when we were ten, eleven years old, we broke windows, stole bicycles, doing stuff like that without having any purpose you know other kids went to to music class after school we didn't went to go to school we just went out and made troubles so i was uh, removed from home when i was uh, just before my 13 years old birthday 
So I'm I'm sure I met your mom once after the show. She was very nice. Hopefully only that. <laughs> yes. She looking back, what do you, what do you think was going in her head because she's probably thinking she have to work, take care of not just you but your sister. Yeah. It must have been hard for her. It was very hard. Uh, she, they didn't know what what was wrong with me because I was a troublemaker since I could walk, mm-hmm. even almost. And your sister doesn't seem like she at all. She was a straight A student, yeah, as you say. So they didn't know what was wrong with me. They took me to the hospital to see if I had uh, HD, HD or what you say. Yeah, um, I didn't, uh, but um, but I had a, a, f- a frontal lobe mistake in my brain that made it that my emphasis wasn't that I I'm not well connected to empathy uh, so I don't have that too much of that so so when I you, heard you, people, you mean like you, you, it was really hard for you to put yourself in somebody else's shoes yeah and and if I do something and I make my sister cry I see her crying and I understand she's she's sad but it doesn't touches me I don't I don't care in the same way as you do when you saw, see somebody cry so uh, not saying well i would I'm, feel bad for her because she's very attractive yeah of course but she, she, if she was a fat pig i wouldn't care no fuck her then <laughs> no but <laughs> but but like they didn't know what was wrong but that, that's so. really surprising because you know jonathan i've only known you two and a half three years but you never struck me that kind of person no but but i learned to be nice i learned to show emotions but i'm not a sociopath or a psychopath mm-hmm. but but i'm not uh you know i don't feel sorry for the the kids in africa Mm. I can see there's a problem that we're doing it, but but I'm okay with that because <laughs> why am I okay with it? Because we can't have the standard of living we have now. If you're not, not saying you're happy, they're miserable. You're not saying that. No, but I'm saying but you, that. But you're not going to go out of your way to help them. No, I would love to do something for them, but I'm saying that if I want to have a brand new iPhone, mm-hmm. I need to be okay with kids making it for me for that price. <laughs> so so if I'm not okay with yeah. that, I shouldn't buy an iPhone, and I do. And I buy clothes that's made in in India by very poor people. Sure. And and, and if I want to have the standard standard of living I have right now, that's the consequence of it. Otherwise, I should make my own clothes. And I'm not. I think some people might be annoyed with what you're saying, but what most people then they either should, don't know, or don't care, they just don't want to make a comment on it. You yeah, know? but they should look look around. If there's somebody sitting right now and feeling annoyed, they should. First of all, look at the phone they're listening to this podcast on, mm-hmm. and think how many child tears have been dropped on that while making it. Sure, or how they many sh- Chinese labor killed themselves in the clothes they're having mm-hmm. on. Yeah, and in the washing machine in the room, who made that, and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing the same as me. I'm just admitting that we are abusing people around the world to have sure. this life. Um, so, but but <laughs> not to. <laughs> Get off track, but but I got removed from my home mm-hmm. and said. What was the reaction home. of your mother and sister? Do you remember? It was a very hard. I remember taking the car, and my uncle was driving me with my some of my stuff in the back of the car. Right. And when he hold uh, stood still for a red light, I opened the drawer and tried to run, because I was twelve and I was being moved from but, home. But, but before you continue on, so. You must go to court and judge said. No, you can in Denmark. You can do it two ways. You can say, the the city can say this kid needs to be removed, and then the parent <laughs> would say, no, I don't want to. Yeah. And then you go to to court and force it through, mm-hmm. or the parent can say, okay, I'm okay with that, 
but I have some demands too. Then I want to have him get home every other weekend. I want to be a part of picking the place he should stay at. Yeah. So you get more options, and my mom decided to do that. But it was a very hard decision. But she I'm did sure. it because she thought that was the best for me. Do you, Do you think she was like, Jesus Christ, I have another kid I need to watch, and this one I don't know what to do because whatever I'm doing is not working. No, she she was more like not paying attention to my sister and giving me all the focus. Yeah, and and it's not and, fair to and her doing whatever she could to give me the best and she knew that me living at home was not the best right so so it was not to to put me aside to to give my sister a better life mm. it was to give me a better life and that would also give my sister a better life and then uh, do you remember what was your sister's reaction when you were getting out of there when you're 12 I she's, don't remember. she's older one or two years she's uh, one and a half years older okay. I don't remember her reaction uh, she loves me so I think she was sad but inside she must have been happy because it was hard living with me i would i would be a very hard <laughs> so okay. like like if you watch yeah you know and modern family and the guy who's the kid he's harassing his sisters yeah i would do that but i would do it so they cried for real you know yeah. it's like i'm i was not a good brother at that time so wait, wait so i forgot um so you were doing all this petty stuff and they got tired of it to send you yeah so they sent me to a place and suddenly i'm in a home with six other kids, where some of the kids are five years older than me. Okay, so are they all white Danes? Uh, at the first place, yes. Mm -hmm. There was no black guys. Did you get beat, beat up or anything? Uh, not the first place. There was. It was actually a very nice place, the first place. The problem was that they, they, had, they didn't have a school in-house. So every day I had to bicycle to a normal public school mm -hmm. where I couldn't work. I, I couldn't function in a normal school. So I beat up other kids on the school mm -hmm. and and that didn't work. So I didn't like going to school uh, because I was had no friends because I beat them up all the time. Well, but why why do you beat them up? Like why? Because I, at that time, uh, I was used to that if somebody says something you don't like, if you want the basketball, you tell them I want the ball. And if they say, no, it's my turn, I just hit them and take it. <laughs> So that's the easiest way to get the ball, you right. know. Uh, so so that's that didn't work in us. I this place was in the real country, like yeah. in a real small city with maybe fifty people. So I didn't have a nice year there. Uh, so I got back home, and I started to make more troubles, and that just carried but on. It's one of those places place. you're there Monday through Friday, but a, a couple of times a month you could leave and yeah, visit your mom, right? Every other weekend you. You went home mm -hmm. on the weekend, okay, and you just got back to what you ever did. So I got back to my friends. We drank beers. We made trouble, and on Sunday I went back to the place and made trouble there. So it didn't help. So how long did you do that? The first place a year, and then I went back to my hometown and didn't go to school. So I basically haven't gone to school since I was twelve years old. Is uh, that right? Yeah, only like maybe two months here, then a break, and five months here. Uh, but I was I I wasn't just running out because most of my friends, even though they were troublemakers, they went to school. I just didn't. So I would watch Discovery all day, National Geographic. I would just watch those shows. I knew so much about shit I couldn't use in my hometown. Yeah. So I remember the first time I went with one of the homes to London. We went to the sub uh, subway, not the chain, but the trains underground. Tube. Yeah, tube. And uh, and I knew so much about it. And the the teacher who was loving London, he didn't knew anything. I could tell them how they got rid of the smoke in the old days and mm -hmm. 
how they have buildings outside and I you know I I I knew so much and so I I got very wise I I I knew English sure from when I was nine eight nine years old so it was I was not a dumb kid but I was a troublemaker mm-hmm. so I mean when did that stop. That's like, like you had to go to pretend to go to school that and never stopped. I, they always wanted me to go to school and I didn't want to go to school. And then when I was 15, I started, uh, one of my friends came to me and said, you want to try some amphetamine? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have this uh, big brother project anymore. So, sure. so I said, yeah. Did you even know what the fuck that was? No, I knew it was drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just before, I think, at that time, we had watched Pusher One, so thank you, Nicholas. Yeah, Nicholas Riffin. Yeah, thank you for making me a Pusher. Friend of Bill no. Mustick, who was on my uh, uh, Yoshi Din yeah. episode. We and a great episode, mm-hmm. uh, great episodes. Uh, no, but I started. We started just around when we did started doing amphetamine. We call it speed in Denmark. Yeah, uh, Pusher One came out. Right, and I had this like I was fourteen, fifteen maybe, and I had this wow, wow moment. That's what I want to do. I wanted to be like Mess Mikkelsen and do drugs, sell drugs. <laughs> I just, I finally found my purpose of life. I thought. So what you're saying is like, if 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 you're 12 or 13 now or 14 now, and if you watch Breaking Bad, I mean, you would have thought, oh, yeah, I'm gonna that's be Danish. what I, wa- I, I want. I would have been Danish Walter White. I want cancer. Yeah, <laughs> and, and a b- fucking stupid wife and. So you you went to movie theater with your friend. You watched the show. We watched the movie, and we were already at number one, you know, getting started. And it was not at all. I know in in Denmark we can joke and say it was the movie's fault, but in the states you sometimes do it seriously. Of course, it was not the movie who did that, but it of course told me something, and 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 opened my eyes for a world I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I found it very interesting, and me and my friends started to, at the first months we didn't sell drugs we just bought them from the local pusher told him what, we are, the, what, what, what are they white in or yeah he was white just explain to me we started to buy like 20 grams of speed uh, at two what do you where do you get the money you weren't we working, didn't have you? the money so we told him we would buy it we called it on clause that's paying on credit mm-hmm. and we told him we'll get back next week and and pay him because we would sell it to our friends the problem was that we just took it all ourselves so so we didn't sell it so we went back to him mm-hmm. And told him, oh, we don't have the money. Can you give us 20 grams more? So we'll sell that for you. And he gave us 20 grams. Wait, hold on. But what race? Is he white? Danish, he was dr- white, pure white. Stupid and, uh, white, uh, redneck. Kind of type. How, let me ask you, like, how come he trusted you the second time? He didn't rock? trust us, but we were troublemakers. We were in a situation where we were, some of our friends were well connected in that way. You couldn't just beat us up. Mm-hmm. My uncle in Denmark was a biker. Mm-hmm. Not a member of the Hales Angels, but a member of another motorcycle club. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so he kind of knew you. You couldn't just beat me. They knew who I was, and I was a troublemaker. We were beating kids up like for years there. So he was not gonna do anything. So at the time where we maybe had bought like for a few months drugs without selling it, I told my friend, "Listen up, we we need to." We need to sell and make money. Mm-hmm. So we started to do it a bit more seriously and started to sell to all our and, friends. And, 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 and how old were you when you started doing this? 15 when I was doing it And seriously. your friend is 15 too? Yeah, okay. 16 maybe actually. So, um, And it went really quick. You know, and when you're a kid, 
one month is like a year. So sure. it went really quick and we started to buy. And before I knew it, everybody had my number and everybody in my hometown bought drugs from me. So um, how much time did it pass before you actually, you're in the black, like you're in profit? Oh, we, we when you when you steal on the side, like we did, like one gram to a guy, three grams, five grams, you make money, but you also use a lot of money and you do the drugs yourself. So, and at that point, I told my friend, "We, I want to do this seriously. I want." That was actually after Pusher too, but I think, but no, I, 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 I told him. We sat down. Great movie, said, by the way, Matt great, Mikkelsen. Great uh, I, I told him, mm-hmm. I want to do this seriously. I want to be a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. I want to sell drugs to to everyone. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and he said, I don't want to. And he said goodbye to that part of his life. So, so, so uh, what happened? To, okay, you don't have mentioned his name, but what what happened to him now? Do you still? He sold me this apartment we're sitting in. He's a realtor now. Is that right? Yeah, a good friend still. So, uh, but he completely stopped at fifteen, yeah, sixteen. Yeah, his mom found one kilo of speed. A kilo? Uh, yeah, one. Of, we had a kilo. My mom found it. <laughs> it. The funny story is that we had a basement. By the way, if you're American, I know most of you heard kilo. That's two point two pound. Yeah, and it was pure speed. Uh, but how do you how do you get a kilo? Like how much did you? Is that on credit too? No, sometimes we bought it on credit, but paid a week later and stuff. Often you buy on credit to make sure you don't get robbed when you buy it, so um, you come with the money later. So, but so what, how much how much is a kilo back then? Uh, uh, speed? We paid we paid thirty five Danish crown, so five dollars a gram or something. I see between five and ten dollars a gram depending on the quality and we would cut it up to two or three kilos mm-hmm. so but the, the thing was i wanted to save it and and speed you save you, the colder the better uh, because it smells a lot so i wanted to put it in my mother's freezer in the basement and she had one upstairs too so i opened all the drawers wait wait, wait. what if you keep it frozen and cold it doesn't smell it doesn't smell that bad out of the bag, and it holds the quality better for a long time. But what does it smell like? Because I don't. I it smells like if you have. If I had one gram in my pocket right now mm. with pure speed, you would smell it in the other room. Is that right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's not. It's not powdery. It's like a clay-like um, substance, like uh, very. Um, you know. Yeah, it's hard to describe. Like, but I mean, but but speed is like cousin of crystal meth, right? Yeah. Uh, but again, we have to remember this is Denmark, so the the drugs aren't all the same. But s- speed is like sometimes we probably had meth, but just not in crystal form. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just speed amphetamine, you know. Okay. It's, it's but but so you had it in the refrigerator. I wanted to put it in the refrigerator, so I opened all the drawers, and the bottom drawer there was some Christmas food, frozen Christmas food. <laughs> right. And we were in the summer, so I thought of all the drawers we have with refrigerator and freezer, this is the last one she's going to look in in right. the middle of the summer. So I put one kilo down in 100 pound or 100 grams balls, mm-hmm. and I go out. And the same night I come home, my mom is sitting, I'm coming home very late, mm-hmm. I've been out dealing drugs, and I come home, and my mom sits in the living room and all dark but she's awake and she says like Jonathan I looked uh, I wanted the able skewer and that's what the f- Christmas food was it's called able skewer today mm-hmm. so she decided in the middle of the summer to have a Christmas food we had in one drawer yeah. in the freezer 
and she found the kilo. So she told me, you have to get rid of that right now. Mm-hmm. So I got rid of it by putting it in my friend's place. And his mother decided to clean his room the same night. So she found it the next day. Wait, so within span of 24 hours, both mothers found it? Yeah, like within two days or something. They found it. And it was so unlucky. We say we hidden drugs in our homes all the time and never found it. But they knew some. We they knew we were doing drugs. They knew we were doing a bit, but they didn't know the extent of it until they found the kilo. <laughs> uh, and well, uh, yeah, and, I mean, kilo is a lot. You'll get if you're over eighteen in Denmark, you'll get four or five years for a kilo. Yeah, but you guys are fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. So right? you'll yeah. still get some time, but you won't get that much. Uh, but we kept on dealing uh, only sp- uh, amphetamine. And we were dealing a lot. Well, but uh, explain to me why that drug over other ones. That was the cheapest one, and it's very popular. Amphetamine is like coke; it lasts longer and it's cheaper. Hmm. So, but you have after you've done a a ride on on amphetamine, you'll get a very you'll have it very bad for a few days. So wait, so who are your most of your customers back then? They were my friends and wait, wait. So what year? Just give me around what year you guys were doing that. What years? I was 15 years old. I was born in 87. So 11 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So um okay, so you're the Chinese guy. <laughs> Come on. No, no. So uh you know 20 uh, 2002 26 10 years ago around 10 years 10 11 years ago. 2002 2003. Yeah. Okay. So um so whatever movie came out at that time that's the movie to blame. So So you're watching Pusher 1 and 2 and then you're Dealing. We're watching Blow at yeah. the time when I saw Blow. I was just like, had, "Wow, why didn't I know him? Mm-hmm. I would have been the greatest partner." Um, but I, I, I wanted to sell drugs, and I was serious about it. And I started to move up in the range. I started to get good connections. Mm-hmm. I started to go to court often because sometimes you beat up a guy, had a guy beaten up, and they wanted you to go to court. So because start, they owed you money? Yeah, no, yeah, because they owed me money or they wanted to sell in my area. Mm-hmm. So when every time I went to court, I actually had a jersey from the Pusher movie, the Pusher 2 movie. <laughs> and I and on the back of it it yes, said sir. with big white letters Pusher. Yeah. So every time I went to court, I had that on. Mm-hmm. And I got uh, uh, evicted. Uh, you know, got free every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. So I, is uh, it because the kid, whoever you beat up, they don't testify against you? Yeah, and they need to prove stuff. So it was very hard, and I was a kid. So you know, you, you know, you have to be certain that I'm guilty. So I went free so many times, but I, I was. You never like, got robbed. Uh, no, I got free from prison. No, but no, no, but you never got robbed. Like somebody tried to rob. Oh you yeah, yeah, drugs. we had some deals gone bad, but but what I'm saying is that that I'm I was I had this. If you're gonna do something, you gotta be proud of it. If you if you are pedophile and you lie about it, then you know you're wrong. But if you're a pedophile and you go around telling people, but I think it's right, then I'm not saying I agree with you, but I have more respect for you because you think you're right. You don't know that you're stupid and you're wrong up in your head. But I was a pusher and I knew I broke the law. Boy, but that is a one bad example. No, but I... I That's a I, bad... I mean... Listen up. Y- you I, know, come no, on. No, no, no. No, listen up. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're going to do something, you got to fess up and be honest about it. So everybody knew I was a drug dealer. They had to prove I, I, I was. I, I understand what you're saying. But I'm just saying... No, but like, there's like, two kind you, of... You could be a terrorist 
and you're wrong to to do what you do. But some of those guys really, really fucking believe it. Yeah, and no, I don't and agree some with terrorists it. like the yeah. young kids who are bullied into yeah, to make but, suicide but bombs. to say they don't know. I'm a pedophile. I believe in fucking kids. No, but some pedophiles are. Have something in their brains that does that they don't understand that what they're doing is wrong. Okay, and and for them I feel sorry, uh, and they should get help. Yes, uh, but when they talk about doing it, they really think that they're okay, what they're doing, and of and course that's why they do it. But I'm just, I'm just, like, I'm just saying, no, Jonathan, you shouldn't hate on pedophiles. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that's right. Because this, my uh, the original name I was going to give for this podcast was. Uh, Pedophiles have feelings too. Yeah, that was the name of the podcast. But um, no, but we decided to go with another one. Yes, Yoshiden.com. Now, um, no, but to get back on the track, we we. So you start making money, right? So you might. I started making money and I started spending a lot of money. I never saved up. I didn't like have a bank. It's not like when you see the movies where you take down money at your mother's grave or something. Mm. My mother's alive. Just an example. But you know, you just. That's not how it works in real life, because if you 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 sell a lot of drugs, you make money, but you have to have a persona in the city. You have to drive in taxis all the time. I couldn't drive a car. I was mm. not old enough. I had to pay people to drive me around. I had to pay people to beat up people because I didn't want to do it all the time myself. So it's very expensive to be a drug dealer. It's very expensive. How much? How much? Um, by the time you stop selling drugs, how much you think you sold? In kilos or in money wise, so well, give me both figures uh, about if you had to make a guess. Uh, in profits or in uh, just in in turnover? Just gross. Gross. I. Uh, if you have to make a guess, in million dollars? Career, yeah, probably uh, not under. I would say gross, and and in in kilos we're talking a lot. Uh, but but, yeah. Is it six? Yeah, it's more six years ago. Yeah. So it's safe to say, you know, around million dollars. I would say that I had during the years at least a million dollars in my hands. I've been to, I had had some big portions of cash in my hands sometimes. But but, but you also had to spend a lot. You had to spend a lot. You had to buy the drugs. You had to buy the guys who was running around doing stuff for you. You had to. You have to have uh, bodyguards too, right? Not. When you say bodyguard, I had a crew with me. We were a group of thirty mm-hmm. people, and the thirty people were. Are they all white? All right. Yeah. Uh, they they did what I did. They we went around beating up people mm-hmm. every year. We had a big football tournament, and sure. we would beat up Swedish people. So we had a competition on how many Swedish people can we beat. That's an old tradition in my hometown. Oh great! Now uh, I'm gonna lose all my Swedish listeners. Yeah. So hey, Poya. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Just hello. But uh, no, we we in in my hometown there's a football tournament mm-hmm. once a year, and the tradition, not only my generation but years back, is to beat up the Swedish people, both trainers and parents and the kids who plays. So we would do that, and we would have our gang clothes on, like the Crips. No, uh, not Crips. Um, Bloods. Bloods and all that. We had colors on too. We had the same pants on. Mm-hmm. Uh, different colors depending on what range you were in the group. And um, and we would just beat people up and sell drugs and do drugs. So did your mother or sister ever talk to you like... Because people must hear like... Hey, everybody knew I was the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And nobody didn't... As Everybody knew I was the drug dealer in the town. But did your sister ever try to talk to us? Hey, no, Jonathan, no, no. you should stop doing this. We didn't talk together, me and my sister. 
So that period was not good for family no, relationships. No, not at all. I was uh, when I was sixteen. I got two and a half years in juvenile hall mm-hmm. in Denmark. You can go home that and have a phone when you do that. Mm-hmm. So I kept selling drugs while being in youth prison. Uh, but <laughs> but but we yeah. didn't. We didn't. We just you know didn't care. We didn't thought about the future. We th- it's here and now. We're gonna party. So what what did you spend on the money on? Partying, girls, uh, you, drugs. You mean, when you say when you, when you say girls, you don't mean prostitutes. No, not at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean g- girls like you buy drinks, you buy mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you have to remember that that you you use the money not on yourself but also on on all your friends. Right. So you you're not walking around with ten grand in your pocket, but you I would always walk around with my one two grand in my pocket. And use it every night when sure. I'm so so you in some periods you have time, but then again you have one guy who gets caught with a kilo, you still have to pay for that kilo. Sure. So sometimes the police made a lot of bust and I could lose a lot of money. Sometimes deals went wrong. We wanted to move in on to other uh, substances. I wanted to buy ecstasy. I got cheated so many times because that was the Arabs who had those. And they just cheated me. So Arabs specialize in ecstasies? No, not generally. Those connections I had did, but mm-hmm. they didn't have them, so they cheated. But I got robbed. Not robbed, but I got cheated in businesses. When we went to other cities, bigger cities, and buy drugs, sometimes it went wrong. So I, I, I got to say, I was in um, New Orleans um, six, six months ago. Um, you know, black people are just wonderful in South only black people I didn't like was those black drug dealers because they ripped me off every fucking time. Yeah. And um um and that's how racist I am. Like even though 95% of black people are nice to me in the south, every time I got ripped off a black <laughs> the drug dealer, I just apply the same feeling about all blacks and like I don't yeah. know why, you know, why why would you do that, you know? In, Plus I shouldn't be dealing with a drug dealer anyway, but my friend wanted something so I had to go and get it so this person would calm down. And then, um, but they, I got ripped off three times in a row. <laughs> that sucks. But so, but in in my my father always told me, uh, never trust a guy. He said never trust an Arab. But what he meant was mm-hmm. never trust a guy in your country who doesn't have a passport to that country, because if I'm doing business with an Arab mm-hmm. and we get caught, they will give him two options: either you'll get thrown out of the country back to Iraq or wherever you're from, mm-hmm. or you talk on Jonathan and you will get to stay so he'll talk you'll yeah. always talk if you want they don't want to go back so people so who has a lot more to lose they will uh, never work with mm. people who has something to lose that's yeah. a good thing because then you can't trust them you'll yeah. never be able to trust them I made a mistake by trusting some of them uh, but uh, we'll, we'll talk uh, that's yeah. the one eventually can change okay but before we do that what what's the breakdown like uh, so there was obviously Arab drug dealers. We had in my town. We we had some uh, bikers from another town who had some guys. But in not my Hell's town. Angel. No, Bandidos. It's called. They sold drugs. Bandidos. No, mo- I can't say Bandidos sold drugs. I can say that some guys who were connected to motorcycle gangs mm-hmm. were f- from Bandidos were hanging out in my town and doing business. But Bandidos band um, and the not band the group. They're, they're, they have different ethnic groups in the uh, yeah, games, but right? not at that time in, in that part of the country. Oh, I see. So that I know you like to talk about the black guys doing criminal stuff, but in my hometown there wasn't any 
uh, then there came a, 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 something called the International Club, and mm-hmm. that was the Turks and Arabs and all of those. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to move in, and they contacted me and told me that you're the guy with all the connections. You want to buy your drugs from me. And they had the better quality and better prices. So I said yes. So I started to sell for them when I was 17. And um, Wait, wait. Turks or Arabs? Turks, Arabs, everything. It was one club. I see. So, uh, so I sold for them. They didn't care you were a Jew? They didn't know. Oh, you so, think they, that would have made a difference? Yeah, they wouldn't have worked with me. Is that right? Yeah, not at all. But what idiots are they? Oh, you didn't tell them your middle name? No, they didn't know. I was known as by my last name, Wolf. Jonathan Wolf. Yeah, so... Actually, that's kind of a cool name. Everything, everybody called In Danish, it's Wolf, but every, everybody said it in English, Wolf. So Is that right? Yeah, okay. so, so, so I sold for them, and then the bikers who were in the town couldn't... Uh, they couldn't deal with it because... They couldn't touch me, so they wanted to be. Wait, wait, because they were afraid of Arabs and Turks. Yeah, because I had more backing than they had. That it's all about backing. What? 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 What yeah, is backing, that? like having people behind you. Like, oh, oh, yeah. So, so I was the leader on that. So they couldn't touch me. So mm-hmm. we sold a lot of drugs and started to move in on other substance, substances. So yeah. you never had a problem with the the, the, the Arabs, Turks. Uh, not at that time. I like that. You know, I can't recommend working with them because they were, they're just not that involved in the brain, most of them, you know. You can say that... The, the, no, but the, the drug dealer Arabs, yeah. like the smart mm-hmm. Arab who comes to Denmark, he takes the education that's free. Become an engineer, becoming an doctor, engineer, doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And then does the next level, they just go to school and become, you know, a carpenter or something. Mm-hmm. And then you have the stupidest of the stupidest Arabs they become drug dealers. Okay. So you're working with people who just are so stupid. And that was a problem for me with all of the groups <laughs> because they were so stupid. Everyone was stupid. Because I remember you're telling me you ended up like, uh, you're the boss, but you're working with the people who are way older than you. Yeah, and, and I was sometimes laughing because here I have a guy 30 years old driving me around and he could beat me up. Mm-hmm. He could take over the earth, but he was just satisfied getting a burger from McDonald's. Not to mention, you do have those Arab backing, so if something happened, you could probably have those guys beat up too, right? Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. And we did that a lot. But my group of friends who were not drug dealers were still very good fighters, and we fought, fought a lot in the town. So people knew that you might be able to kick one of our asses, mm-hmm. but we'll turn up at your home and beat you up. You okay. Uh, and we did that a lot. So there was no guns at all? No, uh, no, no, no guns at all in our groups. The guys we bought from had guns, but not at the meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, we, when I was older, we started to do that. So there's a point where you you were pretty much doing a lot of business, Northern Peninsula, Yatlano, Yutlano, however yeah. you want to pronounce and it. And then mm-hmm. the problem was that one guy got an overdose on ecstasy. The news came on it. He died? No, he just became a vegetable. You know, he's brain dead. So is he still alive? You think? Yeah, he's in the old people's home in my hometown. And so, so a shout out to Kim if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, you know, you know uh, how uh, how Kim. We have a joke. We have an ongoing joke about Kim. That's his name. Yeah, Kim. Kim Hansen Jensen. Oh Jesus! Yeah, we can name drop. He can't complain. Yeah, <laughs> nobody would understand him. <laughs> but how much fucking? Drugs did he take to burn, uh, burn his brain? He took some ecstasy pills called uh, butterflies. The problem was that he was lying down and basically cooking inside out. 
and the people around him thought they were he was having a good time because they were fucked on drugs too. So the next morning when somebody came up, he was basically brain dead. So now he 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 can say, and that's basically it. So if somebody noticed trying to help him like maybe 10 hours earlier, maybe they could have yeah, saved Yeah, of course, no problem. He would have been saved. But we all went to another party, so we didn't see it. That kind of shit happened all the time when they think the person was okay, but they're ODing. Yeah. And on the worst scenario, it's like they're ODing and they don't do, sh- do shit, you know? So, so that was a shame, but it's his own fault. He could just don't do drugs. So, And by the way, this episode is going to be released after I interview uh, Michael, is it Lodberg Olsen? Lodberg Olsen. Yeah, yeah. he is an amazing person who uh, works in uh, Copenhagen. So that magazine I told in the beginning, but he has this uh, move uh, ambulance converted into places where people could go inject drugs. But he made a really good point. Like it's if you're injecting drugs in public, you get in trouble. But the other other side to that is you don't want to inject drugs in a private places because if you just happen to buy a drug and they they put all kinds of shit in there. And you're having overdose. If there's nobody there, you're going to die too. So exactly. you you really need a place, a safe to have place, a to, safe place of, to do of it. Of course, the best option would be not to do drugs. Well, of course. So if we could pick it, Kim shouldn't have taken any drugs. Mm-hmm. But if we go to the next step, okay, he has to do drugs. What would have been better? That have a have facility his parents, where have, his parents mm-hmm. there are having them delivered by the government. If mm-hmm. we could have gotten these pills were too strong. Some were didn't work so mm. some guys took 10 without get feeling it some guys took a half and almost died around Denmark so uh, so not a good business this business decision to buy those pills right so so it was hard to sell them after he went to the hospital yeah but when when Mike when Michael Olsen told me I thought well that's a really good one. I never really thought about it because you could be very secretive but you you're if you don't have a second or third person who are responsible if you're OD he was telling me there was like a 550 OD incident and every one of them survived because there was actually professional yeah we stand- were at mm-hmm. the place i worked in the same place that's right and yeah. you're the one who introduced me to my uncle, yeah. my course and by the way sorry to repeat uh something that you guys can be already hearing it but um I'm, I'm really fascinated the way um danes deal with it and i think i think the danes are the most pragmatic like we have mm-hmm. a tradition in denmark that when your kids are starting to drink alcohol mm-hmm. Like fifteen years old, fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. You let them drink at home the first couple of times, and, and so you can supervision uh, this and and learn the kids how to be drunk responsible. And you should do that with drugs too, because you can prevent people from doing drugs, mm-hmm. drugs, but you can teach them how to do it and provide them with some clean drugs. Another thing that I remember, even as a kid, because um, I don't remember Morton's name, but in high school in Torrance High, when I went to high, uh, late eighties. We had exchange student from Denmark, and he was telling me like, if you want to have sex with your girlfriend, you know, in high school, or whatever, you could go to either his house or her house, and parents were okay with it. Yeah, of course, because they would rather have it in a safe environment mm-hmm. and you know, controlled than outside on the streets. And that was the problem with my group of people. We were doing everything on supervisions, so we were getting out of hand. So that was a big problem. So you were selling drugs. Can you give me the breakdown in your town in the northern uh, Jutland? Jutland. I uh, what, what's the other criminal elements like? Uh, is it, was there any other race? No, uh, we Bosnians, were, no, Russians. No, not in my hometowns. There wasn't the bigger towns where we got the drugs from, mm-hmm. and that was uh, Arabs and Danes, basically. I see. Some, maybe some few Bosnians. You had to go a lot further away to find other races. 
Okay. Um, so there so was, we can't blame it on the black guys. No. Um, well, let's be honest. Black a lot of the black people sell drugs because there's there's discrimination against them, and there's not opportunity. Not all the time, but like I thought it was because they had long legs, so they were good to run away from the cops. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Genetics. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've had friends sold drugs, and like I, I remember hearing the stories. Like, uh, yeah, if I was in the same shoe, I would have done the same thing. That's the thing. Like with me, I didn't grow up with a father, and my mother—it's not a typical Asian mother. That education is born. She didn't really give a shit, you know. No, but and, and um, only reason I didn't do it because I, I was illegal. I didn't want to get kicked out of USA, but. In a right, in the wrong circumstance, I might have been like just like. Tyrone and T-Bone or whatever you want to go because I would have done the same shit. I'm not better than those people. No, and and I think that you have to look at, I grew up in a very nice home, mm -hmm. nice family. My grandparents had two cars, mm -hmm. you know, had the local big uh, car mm -hmm. dealership business, you know. Sure. It was, there was no problems. I did it because I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I saw a business opportunity in sure. selling drugs. Then, unfortunately, I got put to jail when I was 18 years old. Okay, I remember this story, but can you tell everyone, the two people that are listening to this show, one of them, which would be you. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to listen to this. <laughs> but um, the, the, the one incident, because I'm sure cops were trying to get you for a long the time. The cops right? were hunting me for a long time, but they couldn't get a conviction. Mm -hmm. Suddenly they got a guy who was the driver for the guys I bought the drugs from. And... Uh, so this was a setup that you got in trouble? No, they, they took him uh, and they uh, they got him to talk mm -hmm. without getting any... I was never caught with one gram of anything. Right. So they took him and he talked about everyone and then they took everybody in who ever bought one gram from me when I was starting. Mm -hmm. So they had the base of proving that I was a drug dealer. Right. And, uh, and I got off cheap. They only have people accusing you but they don't have an actual physical They didn't have right? one gram. Mm -hmm. So, But the problem was there were so many people who three years earlier bought one gram from me here, one gram from me there. So when a hundred people all say, yeah, we bought from him when he started up, that sets the tone that I'm a drug dealer. And right. when you then have a guy who says, I delivered one kilo to him, that's enough to convict me. So I got convicted mm -hmm. without, if it had been in the States, I would have gone free without a doubt. Uh, your uh, court system is much better uh, if you're a drug dealer. You you could get off. Like, well, because they didn't have evidence? Yeah, they didn't have evidence. They had one guy telling partial the truth and a lot of guys telling... One guy who was also a criminal? Yeah, who was caught <clears throat> doing other stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So, But in the States, you like you see a lot of people go free because the police make a mistake when they arrest the guy or something they like that. They didn't, they didn't tell them that they're right. Yeah, we mm -hmm. don't have that in Denmark. You can fuck it up all the way and as long as the judge can see reasonable doubt, you know, you'll get convicted, you know. Mm -hmm. So I got convicted. I got when I was... How old were you? I was 18 years old and I got three years and nine years, three years and nine months in prison. The reason I got such a short sentence uh, is that the crime I did was when I was under 18. Right. So they had to convict me for that um, that that age limit, what you can get. Sure, right. So if I had been over 18, I would have gotten eight, nine but years. If, if you're barely 18 and you're getting three years or nine months or whatever, let's just make it up four years. Still, if you're 18, 
that's more than 20% of your life. But I was already at home from when I was 12, so that wasn't a problem for mm-hmm. me. I said, fine, let's go to jail. I went to jail, still decided to, I was still going to be a criminal. It was not like... But I, if you're in a prison... I'm you talking, get, uh, uh, the best place to be a criminal and to learn to be a criminal is in a prison. That's where you get the connections, where you get to And you talk you, you talk to other than like yeah. you guys like you talk with they the tell you like, it's, oh. a, it's a criminal it's school for criminals. Mm-hmm. Every prison is. So the stupidest thing you can do is to take a young kid and put him in a prison. Because nobody in the prison would say to me, That was a stupid thing you did. So I went to prison this No no but they probably say like, Well, this is where you made the mistake. Yeah, and yeah. you should have done it that, like that. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot of stuff and I started, I was lucky. The prison was just outside my hometown, right? 10 minutes away. The guys controlling the prison were far away from uh, in other parts of Denmark. So they had hard times getting their drugs in to sell in the prison. So I started to deliver it to them. So I just continued my business. Wait, 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 I don't understand. You're in a prison, right? We're in prison, but it's an open prison. So What do you mean open? You don't have big walls, you have fences. So it's easy to smuggle drugs in. And you have a drug, you know, you have one guy controlling the prison. You're selling drugs inside of the prison? You do that everywhere in the world. But in an open prison, it's easier because some people have access to the, to go out in the day to go to school and mm. work and stuff like that. So we brought, I brought in the drugs, um, not the in speed? my ass. No, that was the most uh, cannabis and coke. Mm-hmm. So I I didn't take it in my ass in the prison. Normally, I just took it in my bag because I went to school outside some days. They didn't even check your bags. No, not all the time. Uh, and. Uh, and I hit, had a hit in the compartment room. And then when it got a bit more seriously inside the prison, we uh, we just had a guy throw it out in the woods outside the prison. And in the night, a guy would screw out the windows and mm-hmm. go out and get it and go back in. So I made good money by not doing anything because I wasn't the dealer in the prison. So I was just getting the few guys who controlled the place that dope. And because I did that, I was untouchable in prison. Mm-hmm. So I had a really nice time in prison. I really enjoyed it. It was not a bad time. How, how, how big is a facility? I mean, how many people about? Uh, 500,000? No, 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 no. A couple of hundred. Mm-hmm. That's the Are they all white? Uh, no. Then you have a lot of people from this uh, Copenhagen and stuff, black guys. It was a white guy who controlled it when I was there, luckily. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I fought a lot because when the Arabs came in and they heard I was Jewish, they wanted to fight me. And I could get the other guys to fight them the fight for me but you wanted to maintain respect mm-hmm. so i had to fight a lot when i was in prison no wonder you like mixed martial art exactly <laughs> so so but but when i was in prison i came out uh, it was when i was in prison my uncle shot himself yeah my the week after my one of my best friend died in an accident mm-hmm. in his work what uh, kind of accident uh, he drove a truck uh, backwards and it tipped over and crushed his head. Oh. Yeah, so so that was a shame. He was the only friend I had who wasn't a criminal. The mm-hmm. only friend. So um, so that took hard on me. So when I came out, I decided to sell drugs, of course. Wait, wait, wait. So from eight, you served how many years? I served two years from when I was 18 and I got out on parole. When you were 20? Yes, and I started to sell drugs immediately after. Uh, I came out with a debt to the system. In Denmark, if you go to the court, mm-hmm. you have to pay the bill for the attorneys and all that. Mm-hmm. So I had a bill on, how much was that? Uh, 250,000 Danish crowns. So 
for fifty thousand US dollars or something. Yeah. They give me a bill and take me out of prison and expect me to get a job. But everybody knew I was drug dealer, so I couldn't get a job. So I had to deal, sell drugs again, even though at that time I maybe didn't want to do it. But hold on, when when you're in the prison, because you know how Scandinavians have a, such a good reputation. Oh, yeah. did did they did they have educational program? Teach, yeah, teach you trade? But, but it's all just for show, you know. It's it's just to get people in, mm-hmm. let them make the sentence and get out. You know, take the time and you know. But, but beside beside besides selling drugs and stuff, were you reading? Were you studying? I, I read a lot and I did study a bit. I had mm-hmm. to, uh, I had to. F- to get out to go to a school I wanted to go to, mm. I had to make fake documents that I already took my junior high or what you say, <laughs> and I didn't. So I had to make, I had to break the law to get to school. Mm-hmm. So and I, so you you forge a document, yeah, to get to school. And did they believe that? Yeah, nobody asked anything. So so that was the, easy, the easiest thing I could uh, if I had knew how easy it was I would never gone to school and just did that all the way and got jobs mm-hmm. <laughs> through that way but uh, but I did that and I, I started to go to school at the end of my sentence mm-hmm. and I got out I got a place to live so I, how many days after you got out of prison you started selling drugs I was always selling before so you can not even a second okay so so, so how long how long the second time around my, f- my friends were slowly building up a new business when I was inside mm-hmm. controlled by me this time I learned a lot so this time it was about not being known before when I sold it I wanted everybody to know this time I wanted to do it without anybody knowing sure. it so I came out and with good connections to everyone mm-hmm. in Europe basically I had really good connections and we started to de- deal drugs, drugs without the police knowing, without mm-hmm. anybody knowing. I took a normal job in a city close by, working in a company. Uh, uh, I can't say the name of the company, right. but but I worked in the company. They knew I was a con- convict. Uh, so, uh, so were they afraid of you? I, no, but they were in a they were a, a formerly owned government owned company. Mm-hmm. So they had a deal by taking in some uh, oh, okay. uh, prisoners. So uh, I worked there. So during the day you had a regular job. During the day I had a regular job. Went home in my car, and uh, and counted money and started to save money, and started to do it properly, uh, and I did that for half a year. Mm-hmm. But that half a year I also did the stupidest thing I ever did, and that was to eat out three days, three times a day. I never cooked a meal. I ate and ate and ate and ate and gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. The problem was when you're drunk. <laughs> kingpin or what you can say nobody's gonna say to you <laughs> maybe you shouldn't take that dessert yeah so i gained a lot of weight and and what's interesting because you lost weight since i've seen you last time yeah but i'm not at all back to what i was mm-hmm. when i got out of prison so i i gained a lot of weight and one day i was in a shop where they have this big scale for dogs mm-hmm. and for fun i stood up on it mm-hmm. and i looked at myself as a normal guy at that time and the scale said 150 kilos. 150? Kilos. I know, but 150 yeah. kilo. Yes. 100 kilo is 220 pounds. So So you have uh, another 110. Yeah. So you're 330. Yeah. Oh my God. And I didn't know that. So <laughs> I looked at my best. 330? Yeah. What are you now? Uh, not that, uh, 120 kilos. Oh, that's funny. So you... Ki- how tall are you? One eighty-six, I think. Okay, so you are tall. Yeah, I'm tall, and I'm 
I don't look that fat. No, you don't. But that's funny. But the yeah, weight is a lot, though. And my dick is though. really, really big. So, <laughs> so no. So, but I, I looked at my friend who was dealing with me. He was my driver too. And I look at him and I say, "Why didn't you say anything?" And he just, you know, made a gesture like, "How could I?" Yeah. So I got really angry, and at that time we were. But we fuck, were with guns. you should be angry we with were, yourself. You know, at, at that time it was more serious. We had guns, we had bulletproof vests, we were doing this really serious. We had a few guys selling drugs for mm-hmm. us. Not everybody, but a few guys selling big portions, making good money. And I just went home, quit my job, mm-hmm. same day, quit my, uh, uh, what you say, uh, it terminated my uh, uh, renting agreement mm-hmm. and said goodbye to my hometown. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend, I left her. We were still together, but at that time but i left her to stay in Flatbush town and i moved to Copenhagen in a week uh, and i started to lose weight because he didn't like where you were yeah, going and i stopped dealing drugs i couldn't do that in Copenhagen that's in a whole nother business and oh you probably got but, killed because yeah i would have people. gotten killed right away mm-hmm. so i just stopped from one day to another i had a big portion of money with me and i started at to, that point how much money did you think you have i had Uh, I did some other stuff, not only um, drugs, drugs, mm-hmm. you know, some swindle and stuff like that. Um, so I had like three, four hundred thousand Danish crown. Okay. And uh, and I used a lot of money over here. I mm-hmm. went to the nice restaurants, but I worked out a lot. So uh, I invested some money in some projects, and some went bad. And you know, I I I used my money in mm-hmm. a year. And I went to school. Mm-hmm. I didn't take my exam, but I went to school. And um, and I thought that now I'm gonna. Now I knew that I could do it the legal way. Mm-hmm. My goal has always to be rich. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I ever want to do it, I can be really, really rich in doing drugs. Sure. But now I want to prove to myself I can do it the other way. So. Uh- How old were you when you stopped dealing drugs? Twenty-one, twenty-two. So four, five years ago. Yeah. And um, when you moved to Copenhagen, you didn't know a lot of people. I didn't know nobody. My sister But, lived over here. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk, so I lived moved over to her place, mm-hmm. and we never talked. And we started to build up our relationship, mm-hmm. which is shocking because um, last couple of times, I think the, actually, actually, I think I only met your sister once. And and she was very affectionate with you, so I never knew that you had no. these backstories at all. It's, They must be happy now. We that had you, a special, yeah. Like my father had beaten me up before, and I love him still. Mm-hmm. Like once, when I was arrested the first time in in Denmark, yeah, m- for a big case, uh, my father came to me, and in court, he walked up to me mm-hmm. and gave me the biggest slap I ever had. Mm-hmm. So I fell down in front of the cops and the judge and everyone, you know. So, but. It was like tough love. Mm-hmm. So, um, see, when you told me that, and when you showed me the article with the young Jonathan, you look like a fucking kid. I, I thought you were joking in the beginning. You know, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't know you you were doing that. And, um, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad you stopped doing it, especially yeah. in Copenhagen. I I don't. I think, would never sell drugs in Copenhagen. It's because somebody's going to find out you're selling in somebody's territory. Yeah, you just get killed. Mm-hmm. In my town, it's not like that. Like I said to you before, in my hometown, when we beat a guy up, mm-hmm. people would talk about that for a year. In Copenhagen, you can be the hardest, toughest criminal in one area, and you can drive five minutes, and people won't even know who you are, and mm-hmm. they will sh- shoot you for yeah. nothing. 
So I came from a whole nother place and would never work as a criminal over here um, at all. So, so how much time? I mean, so, uh, so like within two years of that, I met you. Yeah, basically. How did you get into then promoting stand up and stuff? It, by coincidence, I wanted to. I always had an interest in concerts and show business. Yeah, stuff. show yeah. business. Uh, always watched movies when mm-hmm. the other was in school, like when those reruns on Discovery. So, so I always wanted to do show business, but I didn't want to do small local bands. I wanted to do Michael Jackson or Britney Spears, and you can't do that. You know, you have to be a big, big promoter. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to start from the bottom. Right. And suddenly I saw Jason perform on TV, and I wrote him an email. Oh, that's how it started. Yeah, I saw him perform a five-minute bit on TV, and I wrote Jason Rouse, Canadian yeah. comic. Yes, mm-hmm. JasonRouse.com. Check him out. He's really good. So um, you saw him. I saw him perform, and I thought I never saw English stand-up. I saw some Danish guys, mm-hmm. and I liked it. I was not a stand-up fan. Mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't know anybody from the states. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Jim Carrey started as a comedian. Mm-hmm. All that shit. I never knew nothing about it. Right. I saw Jason, and I thought that's fun. I want to see him. Is that so, the one where he w- was completely naked? He walked across. No, the- that was my show. He did that. Ah, uh, it, there was just a bit in Denmark where he uh, he performed uh, talking about fucking. Uh, you handicap. should see it. You can search if you go to YouTube and you say Jason Rouse R O U S E and then Sulo set U L U. You'll see a video with a couple of hundred thousand hits. That's the video I saw. Uh, and then I wanted to see his show, so I went on his website, mm-hmm. JasonRouse.com, to see his where he's touring. I reckon he must be touring in Europe, and he did, but not Denmark at all. He toured everywhere, but not Denmark. So I wrote him, and in the uh, contact field, and I thought there would be somebody reading it, not Jason. So I wrote, "Hi, is Jason gonna perform in Denmark? And if so, where?" And Jason apparently thought I was okay. an agent. Oh really? And not a fan, right? So he called me up mm-hmm. later. So one day my phone rings and I take it, and I'm not used to getting calls from people who speaks English. Mm-hmm. And there's this voice, "Hey, this is Jason Rouse. You contacted me," and quickly it, he understands that I'm not an agent. Mm-hmm. And I say, "I always been dreaming about doing stuff, so we can do something." So uh, so he, we talked over a few weeks, right? And he understood. Where I was coming from, and we were like, we were getting close over Skype, mm-hmm. and he said, "I'll give you a chance, and I'll give him a chance." And we, I started to call venues up, learning how to do contracts yeah. all by myself. Didn't have any help. Of course, that's the Jewish side. Where yes, why? <laughs> if you, if you get help, you have to pay taxes too. Mm-hmm. So the smart thing is to do it all by yourself. So no, I did. We ended up selling more tickets in Denmark than Seinfeld did. So uh, what? Yeah, we saw what Seinfeld's. Uh, so we, first year you worked with Jason. We did two tours in one year. What? So this is two years ago. Yeah, the the time you came on well, the show that time. was the second time he was here. So first time when you did it, I mean, you you you're not sure exactly what's going. You're learning as you're doing it. Everything I was getting ripped off by the promoters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were making Jason made some good money, but we could have made much more if I had been more known more. Uh, 
but it was a chance. We didn't know if he was gonna sell tickets. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, so wh- where was the first venue? Copenhagen? No, the first show was in Aalborg. Oh, I, I think I've been there. The student house. Mm-hmm. And then we but went. But the thing that you saw Jason was. Uh, sh- that was a TV show in Denmark where they flew in Jason from I Sweden see. to do one sh- five minutes. So bit. they kind of knew him, right? No, people knew him from the TV show. Okay. And that's what sold the tickets. Right. So we hit, hit a gold struck, you know, we mm. really sold some tickets. And um, and we went to Aarhus mm. and we went to Copenhagen, a big venue, sold it out mm. and, and made some money. And then we did another tour. Which is the second one. And that's where you came. Yeah. And that's where I really kind of... Even though... Uh, not, no, we have to name drop also. Uh, just the first tour, we only had Jason. Right. But we needed some guys to uh, to go on before him. So I contacted the biggest comedian in Denmark, like the, the Jerry Seinfeld of Denmark, the biggest guy. And his manager helped me get to, to come and... And, uh, and, and what's it called? Um... Open for him. Yeah, open for him. So uh, what's I got, his name? I got uh, Anas Madison, and mm-hmm. that was his uh, uh, PA who helped me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just wrote him. Maybe you know some comedians who are struggling who would like to do this for free because I couldn't promise them money because I didn't know if we were going to sell any tickets. Yeah. So I got Unar and another girl called Camilla uh, to. Uh, Open up for Jason on the tour. Unar is a friend of mine that and I stay with. Then him you as met well. Unar too, yeah. So, how do you say Unar's last name? Theodorsen. Okay, he's Icelandic, but he's been in Denmark yeah. for a while. So mm-hmm. I started to talk with Unar, and and he l- taught me a lot about the business too. Mm-hmm. Then on the second run, we had Chris Neff, whom I interview in my podcast as well, and mm-hmm. he just released a new single, mm-hmm. No CD, mm-hmm. Curse of the Drinking Class. Yes, uh, also I the heard same ep- uh, name. For the episode, I interviewed him like I don't know. And five if or six Chris is listening, he should send me the the copy so I can hear it. Right. Uh, and uh, and then Danielle helped me a lot too. She talked. And what was Danielle's last name? Danielle again? Stewart. Yeah. And she's a really good comedian. She's been Very on the naughty shows a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And she and was I think that really what nice happened girl. was I showed up um, halfway through the second tour. Yeah, you came in when mm-hmm. we were going to Aarhus and yeah. Copenhagen and performing for free, and I was just told some Chinese guy will come and do five minutes <laughs> yeah and and i was like cool cool he wanted to do that and mm-hmm. you came up and i was very busy and and i didn't greet you as i wanted to normally yeah, because i was i was busy and 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 stressed but but i saw you and i recognized you and i i liked you really a lot so i fell in love no I, I like what you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yoshi is a great comedian. To well, people I mean, who I, only I, know I, I tell you, I I was surprised the response I get because I don't get that kind of response in the states, really. Yeah. Unless there are big shows in places like New York, Chicago, maybe uh, uh, I don't know, Vegas, maybe, and especially if I'm open for a guy like David Hill because those crowds like to drink and loud and they like racist, obnoxious things I say. But if you're not those kinds of people that you probably didn't like, so I was a little worried. But I, I was really happy because the response was just unbelievable. Every show that I did for you, the response was great. Perfect, yeah. And yeah. And, and I, and the first time you didn't get paid because you came on your own pocket mm-hmm. and uh, to to show off and and sell yourself, and you did. So my goal was always to bring you back, mm-hmm. which so, you did. 
the third tour I brought back, I decided not to bring Jason back again because... It costs more money, right? Yeah, you had to do something new too. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do Cohen Comedy Club and create a comedy club, the first real English-speaking comedy club in Denmark, a proper club. And when we did the last show, uh, the last show I did it for you a little over a year ago, it was Bremen Theater in Copenhagen. Yeah, that was Completely the first out. time too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but we, I decided to create Cohen Comedy Club and we... I booked Ron Jossel, mm-hmm. a Canadian comedian. And nominated. the way you met Ron through Unar, because Unar every December uh, stay in Florida, and uh, I got him tickets for uh, Russell Peters, and and Ron was opening for Russell Peters in Florida. Exactly. So they met mm-hmm. up, and 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 we have to give it up to Jason too, because Jason was connected to you, so you came in with the show. Chris came in, Danielle came in, mm-hmm. thanks to Jason. Yeah. Uh, Una then told. Uh, Russell Peters and all of them that he also knew Jason and mm-hmm. performed with him and Ron said he wanted to come too mm-hmm. so Ron I brought Ron to Denmark and uh, it was me him and uh, Shashaja yeah, Mirza yeah from the UK right uh, a Peggy as we uh, call her Jesus um, I, I have to say only show that I was not happy is Malma and I think I was too no, dirty for him that's not the show was good. The audience was bad, and but I have to I'm, say, the last show I love a lot. I love yeah, that uh, Copenhagen. I I have nothing but great thing to say, you guys, because um, they're always been good to me. Every show in Copenhagen, it's been great. So they're, they're, what Yoshi is trying to say is that you should hit him up on Facebook or Twitter, and so he can see how many tickets he could sell if he came came <laughs> back to do stand up. But no, but Shashia no, but, but was to, but, amazing. But, but, but to, on a serious note. If if I would like to f- like film something where like forty five minutes or maybe hour stuff uh, next year, and if I do, I, I much prefer Stockholm or Copenhagen. I mean, those, yeah. that those two cities been great to me. And um, the problem is that it's so expensive to do. So so you have to sell tickets in Denmark to to perform. I would love to bring all the LA comedians and New York comedians over who are good but not mm-hmm. famous. We just can't sell tickets. Oh, no, but for me, um, I'm just saying filming it. Like, there's a place called Big Ben in Stockholm. Yeah. And I always do pretty well there. And it's a small room, but if you fill that up, all I need is just camera to film that damn thing, you know? But um, um, I, I I like Scandinavia, and uh, I also have to say Finland, Helsinki, the one time I performed, uh, it was a great response. So I, I'm very grateful, you know? I'm... Um, this is becoming more like um, second home to me because I don't get that kind of inviting feeling from Asia at all. There's no way. Because the, the Asian people are not going to laugh at that shit I'm talking about. There's no way. They're just not going to go for that. No way. And um, Yeah, it's it's a whole nother world. I, I think as an American, that's probably a lot of American listeners. Mm-hmm. And and in Denmark, you can you can say whatever you want. You can be a fun comedian. You don't have those restrictions as you have in the states. No, uh, we don't take life too seriously, and and it's okay to joke as long as you do it as a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like, yeah, as I say, if you go to the street and you laugh at a fat kid, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. But if you joke about it on stage, I mean, it's it is okay. kind of okay. It's fun. <laughs> it's still fun. It's always fun to joke. Uh, but no, but it's it's all it's not okay to rape people, but it's more than okay to joke about it. Depends on the color of the victim. Of course. <laughs> But I'm but I I joking. no come on you're not joking <coughs> no but y- y- like 
you in Denmark it's more you you can do stuff. Jason, as you told, crawled around the audience naked. You know, is that the one you? Um, the one on the net is from Sweden, and he did it in Denmark too. But it, it's I have it actually on the computer. I think if you want to see, because it. you 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 actually work really. Hard. I'm all joke aside. You work really hard. You even got Jason on another TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, put him uh, on TV, and mm-hmm. and but the problem was with this third tour with Ron and Shasia, we just didn't sell enough tickets. Sure. So I ended up losing a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, on the tour. Uh, and couldn't pay the bills. Uh, I guess the reality is you really need someone where you have TV or movie credit yeah. or something, or even if it's an internet show where a lot of people know you. You know exactly. You need you need some famous guys, and and I didn't have the big names like other promoters. I really tried to get Louis C.K. Uh, Russell Seinfeld, Peters, Russell yeah. Peters, but. But it's just hard to compete with Live Nation and other big promoters, mm-hmm. and uh, and that <clears throat> sucks because if I make money on, let's say Russell Peters, I'm not gonna use all the money on on stakes. I'm gonna use some of the money on product uh, making a TV production sure. of not that famous guys, but who are good, yeah, and building up a brand, and then can sell more tickets for them. Absolutely. So, but Live Nation sells the tickets instead and use they, the money they, on And class. they really are juggernaut right now. They're huge. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, th- that's a shame because they don't, the, the big promoters are not focused on talent improvement and mm-hmm. uh, they're only focused on the big guys who made it in the States and the UK. Oh, and they just want to make the money. Yeah, and that's I mean, it is show business. It is, know? and of course, but <clears throat> every wise businessman know that you have to to think about the future. Sure. And they're not doing it. They're not helping to create new talent. Yeah. Um, so that's a shame. So, so I try to get all of them, Louis C.K., but mm-hmm. again, then some of them, like the big names like Louis, he, he can sell an arena in Sweden. But in Denmark, he might be able to sell a thousand tickets. Why, why, why? Is it because they don't have Comedy Central? Yeah, we don't have Comedy Central, and we are behind on the comedy scene. Uh, Bill Burr sold three, four hundred tickets. So and we sold like five. You sold more yeah. tickets than Bill Burr, mm-hmm. and that doesn't make sense anywhere. But so 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 it, it's it, hard but, for but, me but, to explain that. To but big no, no, but it's a simple names. explanation. It's just more. A lot of people didn't know Bill Burr. Really. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But try to explain. So, like, I've been mailing with Louis C.K.'s manager for ages. Mm-hmm. Try to explain his manager that Louis C.K. is not big in Denmark. They won't understand it. Mm-hmm. They think that I'm stupid, that I'm lying, mm-hmm. that I'm a, uh, not serious. And I'm telling them, listen up, he's not famous in Denmark. They don't know it, but they don't understand it. Because you you think that's the case? Aren't they watching his TV show now? No, no, he's not famous at all. He's not famous at all in Denmark. The comedy hardcore fans know it, mm-hmm. but Denmark is very, very small. So where, where is Sweden? They show Comedy Central. They stuff show like that. the shows every time. So we curb your enthusiasm isn't big in Denmark. We have it, but nobody watches us. Mm-hmm. So, so people don't know who is who is good and who's not good, and and they would rather they like like I mentioned before. People don't know mm-hmm. that that. Uh, Jim Carrey is a comedian. They don't know. All That's how he started. He was a young yeah, kid. And yeah, and most of the guys. Uh, what's his name? We talked about him before. Who? The host, the TV host. Um, not uh, Letterman, but 
You, you talk about uh, um, Jimmy Fallon or uh, no, Jay Leno. Jay or, Leno. Or, mm-hmm. In Denmark, we have Jay Leno, but they don't know he's a comedian. What are you talking about? They don't know his. They don't know the comedy fans do. The few comedy fans. No, but know you mean they, they have they have Tonight Show here, right? Yeah, but they they see him as a TV host. They don't see him as a comedian. I see. They don't know he started out in the clubs, traveling around with Roseanne. They don't. Nobody knows Roseanne. She was a comedian. They think Roseanne is the girl from. But let me ask you: If Jay Leno said he's going to be doing show in Copenhagen, he would sell tickets because he's famous for being a TV host. Oh, yeah. But people would still say. Is it a lecture? What is it? Is what is? They wouldn't know he's a comedian. I see. Seinfeld too. They don't. They know he's the guy from Seinfeld, the show. They don't know that he's a well-known comedian. Well, that makes no sense. He they played a stand-up comedian on the show. Yeah, but people know he's a comedian in the show, but they don't know that yes, he, he really was a comic. Yeah, he was a comic. <laughs> so, so they buy the tickets because he's famous, yeah. not because he's a comedian. So, wow, that's strange. So, so, but. But Seinfeld only sold four thousand tickets, three four thousand tickets in Denmark, and when he goes to Sweden, he can sell twenty thousand tickets. Mm-hmm. So that's how stupid we are in comedy. No, I wouldn't say stupid, just not educated. Not, yeah, and uh, whoever doing a business here, they should do a better job explaining to people. Exactly, and that's, but it's hard because we're not getting it. Uh, it's you know we will get it soon. It's getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, English speaking comedy. Uh, I'm working on doing a real comedy club because the other shows I did with Cohen Comedy Club we just rented venues mm-hmm. I'm gonna work on doing a real comedy club like you have in the stage with sure. food and all that I wanna do that um, and and be able to serve a lot of comedians for the can I give audience. you a suggestion what, where I think you made a mistake when you did the first and second tour booking you no <laughs> well that's obviously not the first tour no um, you should have uh, tour and did stand up But also, you should have thought drugs on the side. Oh yeah, I <laughs> they did. They were never suspected. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No, I I would never sell drugs again. Mm-hmm. If wink, 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 wink. You can see that. No, I'm not a drug dealer anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna be that at least for the next 20 years, 30 years. But if you ever see me in in Mexico, in May, <laughs> that's. That's because the, the show go- business didn't turn out that well. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think I, you know, the thing with you, you know, um, Jonathan, I think you're a really smart kid. I think you're a really smart, street smart Thank kid. You. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the t- day. Hopefully, next year you you come and visit USA because I think um, um. I think you're very thoughtful, and then all the things you told me, I I still have heart. I know you're telling me the truth because no one's going to tell me truth about ho- horrible things they've done. In the <laughs> no, <past>. but it's <laughs> just I brag it, about but, raping. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I I'm uh, never too late. You read it in the um, paper too. So, but I, when I when I think about you, did all that stuff. It's just amazing, like how much you turn shit around. Because the fact that you even volunteer one year for Michael uh, L. Uh, Olson's. Um, Drug program in uh, is it Vesperal? Yeah, in in Vesperal. Yeah, Gale, it's yeah. right by the Copenhagen Central Station. Where yeah, and it, I I did that because I wanted to help people. No, I wanted to understand the effect of what drugs do. Mm-hmm. Because I never seen a junkie in my hometown. I seen addicts, but never a junkie. Is and that right? Yeah, we we didn't sell heroin or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I never seen a needle in an arm before I came to Copenhagen. Well, even when I told Michael Olsen that the, you kind of did that stuff, he was like, "Really? He yeah, didn't he even did, know. He didn't know. Yeah. No. Thank you for telling him. <laughs> that that was that. 
No, um, but he said like that's smart. You don't, you probably don't want to tell people when you're volunteering that no. you used to do that. He was kind of laughing about it. The only I'm glad, but the only reason I'm telling you on this podcast is <laughs> no other Danish listeners will be listening. Well, so hopefully, but no, I'm I worked in that to experience some sh- stuff about drug addicts and that, I, the other side of uh, the drug problem yeah, about, and, business, and, right? And now I understand how you can fix it, as mm-hmm. Michael knows. Mm-hmm. The problem is that we have governments all around the world who's not doing the right thing because mm-hmm. there's big money in, in drug fighting in, in enforcement instead there, of there's money made in selling drugs, there's money made uh, stopping drug selling business, yeah. and uh, there's just money, money all, all, all everywhere. I'll actually recommend everybody who hasn't seen a comedian. I don't remember his name, but they should see his documentary called um, "Super High Me." What does that mean? It's a it's a spinoff on Super Size Me, mm. and he had a joke as a comedian. He made a joke about he wanted to do a Super High Me with him smoking every day mm-hmm. because he smoked a lot. Mm-hmm. But then it turned out to be a documentary on weed, and. And the whole system, how we fight it, and why we fight weed, mm-hmm. and you should really see it. And it's super high me, and you can see it on YouTube. I think you're talking about Doug Benson. Maybe. Yeah, he he didn't like where he smoked like 30 days straight. Yeah, but that was just a side bit to make it fun to get okay. some promotion. There's a lot of stuff in the documentary that tells the story of drugs and why we enforce it, and how how the system works, why we 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 arrest people in the states for possession of drugs yeah so so that's that we we are not enforcing we're not handling the situation well i'm not i, I think i think the danes are doing better than than most of the no planet. we're just good at telling people we are good mm. like like you say the happiest country in the world we are not the happiest country in the world. We're just the best liars in the world. <laughs> no, we are. We did, that's bullshit. I, I'm sure that most Americans are, if not happier than us, at least as happy as us, they are. Uh, all the Americans I met are so nice. And I met a lot of Americans mm-hmm. around the world and I never met a jerk, never. Uh, except Jason. No. <laughs> he's <laughs> no. Canadian though. Yeah, he's Canadian. So that, no, I never met anybody who's an idiot mm-hmm. from the States. I only met nice people. I only, you know, I have only good things about it. You know, you you brought us Coca Cola, the Iraq War, <laughs> you know, all those good things. You know, and and that's that's you know, I think you're just too modest and 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 we're too uh, too proud to to say that we're not happy. Mm-hmm. And and so so that's it because. Only thing I have to say, like I, I don't. This is not any sort of insult, but I think when you, um, America is such an extreme place. If you're an extremely smart person, ambitious and talented, and if you're a really, really good-looking girl, you could kind of like take advantage of that and do, you know, you can, you, you can make some crazy money or fame in the states, you know. Because let's be honest, you could be the most famous, successful person in Denmark. That doesn't mean that you're going to be famous for the rest of the planet. But no. if you if you become number one, whatever you do in states, chances are you'll be pretty famous throughout the whole yeah, planet. And, and the other thing is that in Denmark, when I grew up, mm-hmm. I told my friends from when I remembered, I want to be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And nobody supported me in it. My grandparents had a big business. They could have supported me. Nobody. Everybody just said, get a normal job, mm-hmm. go to 
you have a wife, you know, a normal suburban life. Nobody will support you if you have dreams. Mm-hmm. There was a girl in my uh, uh, hometown, Mia. She wanted to be a model, an actor in the States, and nobody supported her. Everybody made fun of her. It's not okay in Denmark to have big dreams. Now she's in New York as a model with the top and has a nice life. What's her name? Mia Henson. She has a blog, actually. You can find it on Google. Mia and, Henson. And do you still talk to her? No, I don't. I, uh, I don't talk with her anymore. But but I think it's cool that she pursued her dreams, as I'm doing, even though nobody believed in her. Nobody. And I, that's general in Denmark. We don't do that. It's mm-hmm. not okay to dream big. I want to get on the Forbes list. I want to be very, very rich. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be that. And I know I'm going to be that. I'm not down to that any second. Mm-hmm. But when I tell tell my friends that, yeah, some of my few friends, close friends, they will say, "We know you're gonna be it." But most people just shake their head because in Denmark that's crazy to say. Even if you're rich, people still shake the heads of you if you say you're rich. But in yeah. the states, you can grow up in the states as a black guy in a poor neighborhood, go to public school, and say, "I want to be a great whatever uh, the rapper NFL or doctor player, or anything. whatever." Yeah. And you have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You can, if you're good at the sport, you'll have a career. No matter how good I am at football in Denmark, I won't make it probably because mm-hmm. nobody will support me. That's that's the one thing about um, America that's just amazing because there's no such thing as Russian dreams or Chinese dreams, exactly, or Danish dreams. You know, um, that the thing like in Scandinavia. It seemed, t- I, did my impressions like if if you want more than average person want it almost seems like they try to punish you by tax or i don't know what it, it's this really weird thing that like i met this guy named hussein in in uh, stockholm he w- works at 7-eleven but he was basically telling me like that's a stereotype <laughs> if, if the store's doing really well they don't say we're punishing you because you're doing well but they give you some bullshit reason they charge increase the charge for whatever the things you do business yeah. with them they kind of punish you and like to me that sounds absurd because and they they will only let you have no more than two stores. Where in the states, it doesn't matter how shitty you're running. If you just happen to make a lot of money, they don't care how many Seven Eleven you have. Go yeah. ahead, knock yourself out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that's the thing with America. Like people make fun of USA, but this is the America's one of the few places. Even even if people think you don't have a talent, whatever. If you say you want to do something, you probably find higher percentage anywhere in the world. Say okay, yeah, go for it. You know? Exactly. You will not get that in Asia. It's okay to dream. Yeah. And and it's not here mm-hmm. in Europe generally. It's not okay to dream, and 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 and, and it sucks. I'm. That's why I'm so. I'm. I love America. I love everything. And funny because you never been there. I've never been there, but I feel closer to America than I feel to Denmark. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I'm so looking forward to go there. The reason I haven't been there is because I <laughs> my um, my record isn't clean. Mm-hmm. It, it is now. But I couldn't uh, go before because they wouldn't let me in the country. So are, are you sure, sure that you could go now? Yes, I got the um, clearance. My, I got uh, Israeli ID card. They pulled some connections, so now I'm considered as Israeli as anybody else down there. So I can get in for free. So wait, so you have a dual citizen? No, I have a ID card from Israel mm-hmm. that gives me access to. United States as anybody else from Israel. I see. So, so it's easier for me now. So um, that's how much they love the Jews in yes. America. We own the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, sh- you should go because um, 
I don't want to sound like a rude, but they just seem like if you're an average person or a little above average person, Scandinavia is great because all you could do some shitty or regular job, you'll be protected the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah, if you're happy with a normal nine to, in Denmark we say nine to five jobs, eight to five jobs, mm-hmm. in the States it's a bit much more, but, but if you're happy with that, an all normal life as a nurse or anything with a small house in the suburbs, you can have the most perfect life in Denmark. Mm-hmm. But if you dream of being a good tennis player or anything beyond you'll be, that you'll be hated on so much mm-hmm. and then there's a few lucky ones the states if somebody's from the states listening there may be no Karolina Wojnacki a mm-hmm. great tennis player she's loved in Denmark but every time she does the slightest mistake every news media like smothers her with criticism you know, why, yeah you know why did you do that <laughs> uh, you know so much shit instead of just saying she had a hard match you know mm-hmm. it's it's like we we don't like people succeeding, especially especially if they succeed more than you have. Mm-hmm. So so I hate it. I hate it about Denmark, and it's such a shame. And that's really not a thinking. I mean, I have problem with those fucking cocksuckers in Wall Street ripping people off in two thousand eight. But most American, vast majority of Americans, if you tell them like they went to Silicon Valley and started a company and they made billions of dollars and they didn't do anything illegal, they it's it's something that they create that people want and they make money, almost higher than 95% of Americans don't have a problem with that at all. And that's exactly. great. We, they would just say great. And and In most Denmark, of the world, it's not like that. No, it's a, it, it, and it's such a shame because like any country in the world, you, Denmark is the place you should start your own business, Sweden. Mm-hmm. Because if you go uh, bust and uh, get broke, mm-hmm. you will have a roof over your head no matter what. Yeah. In Denmark, you have that security net. Yeah. And it's the best one in the world. Mm-hmm. But nobody want to start a business because they'll get hated on because they're trying to do something with their life. Yeah. So even though you have the system, you don't want to use it. Yeah. So that's a shame. As in America, you see people putting everything online and if they mess it up they'll live on the streets but they start try. over again yeah. yeah and they'll start over and start over and you'll mm-hmm. see people in LA fighting for years to become what they want to do yeah and finally they make it and sometimes they don't but they tried and they never felt disrespected yeah you know and and that's what's great about America I um, it's funny that I have to hear this from um Someone who's never been there. Exactly. But um, you, you're right. And it's um, that that is the greatest thing about our America, you know. It just, I love that part of it. There's part of me, there's people who are helpless. And no matter what they do, they, they're having, they're struggling a lot. And in that respect, American can be really harsh, you know. Like yeah. those people, those people I wish could live in Scandinavia. But the People who are talented in Scandinavia, people who are really good at what they do, they move. Uh, and people, people who are good looking and good, go modeling business, what now, or athletes or actors or writers, they're so, if they're extremely talented, it seems like they have no option but to go to places and like America. Do, and they do. Most people, as soon, or as, UK. They, as soon as they have a business in Denmark that makes money, you move to the UK mm-hmm. because you don't have to pay the taxes and sure. stay around. But the problem is that that you say that you have a lot of people in the States who has a bad time. The thing is that Denmark is so small that for us, we can have a very nice life, everyone, mm-hmm. and just abuse the Chinese and the Asians to do our work, the mm-hmm. hot, making our cars and all that. Mm-hmm. America is so big, you can't just abuse people 
overseas, mm-hmm. you had to abuse people in your own country too. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. So yeah. like Detroit, people in Detroit, we don't have a Detroit in Denmark because we don't need more cars than we can buy from China and other countries. That's true. But you can't do that in the States. You have to make your own cars. So if you take the 60% of the richest in the, sta- in the, in the States, that's how Denmark lives, mm-hmm. the 50% richest. And all the other Americans who has don't have social security, all that, mm-hmm. we have those too. They're just in Asia. So yeah. we're just as bad. And we're not helping them at any way. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. so we're the same. In any way, we, we just lie a bit more to ourselves than the Americans do. Um, so what, what, what's your plan? Like the next five years, what do you want to do? Right now, I'm working in uh, Europe's biggest phone company. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say the name. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I work with the uh, business customers mm-hmm. here. And I'm making some money right now. Still paying off my debts from the last tour. But eventually... But this is what I like. Like you're not angry or bitter about it. it almost no, like I learned. You, you so want to pay bills, but like at least you learn. It was like a, a business experience you had, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And I could go out in a, in a week, make the money I owe on drugs, but mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. So um, um, I'm 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 gonna do this. I'm gonna get debt free, soon in a few months actually, and then I'm gonna come to USA. Save up, and I'm gonna go to the states in this next summer, mm-hmm. 2014, and I wanna see all the places I've gotten to love through TV. Yeah. Uh, so what what we're going to do is like, you guys are here listening to this. I, I don't know when I'm going to air it, January, February. But um, after Jonathan, I'm going to do two more episodes when Jonathan lands in the States. We'll, um, we'll do a one podcast see what what he what he think about what what's his expectation yeah. for his trip then we'll do another one a little before he leaves for Denmark and uh, you know. and and if anybody wants to uh, to meet up in the states if anybody feels they have something to tell me to show me that I should see in the states they should look me up and 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 I'll come by and see it I want to experience the states how, how 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 do we contact what what's your facebook um my facebook is private so i don't really okay what's your twitter account if you can find me on facebook without me telling you anything more then you can add me but uh, you can uh, you can uh, you can find me on twitter by cohen invest and uh it's it's c-o-h-e-n yeah i-n-v-e-s-t yeah and And, uh, that's your twitter yeah and uh, and you can find me you my name's been mentioned now a few Mm -hmm. times you can find me but but uh, yeah i i'm i'm not as many of the people you interview, comedians and all that, mm-hmm. I don't have a fan page or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, a coin invest, that's Twitter account. Yeah. You you, you will find it. You can it. always contact me up yeah. to that if you have anything to say. So, um, I'm sorry about your uncle and uh, I'm glad you, um, for relatively speaking, you got out of the drug business like, oh, pretty good considering yeah. people do get killed, OD, or have a crazy record that you can't I even leave the country. I so much. Mm-hmm. Like, if I hadn't been in the drug business and I lost all the money I did on this tour, mm-hmm. I might have gone down with the flag and never tried to do business myself mm-hmm. again. But because I've tried so much stuff that's much worse, that's not hard for me. Yeah. It's not a problem for me uh, to lose money. I just get back up on the horse and try to make it again. So your relationship with your mom's okay? Yeah, we're we're not the types that would be friends if we weren't in family, mm-hmm. you know. We we have a different views on mm-hmm. the world, but we're okay. We're gonna spend Christmas together mm-hmm. with all my f- 
all my family. Uh, I didn't talk with my grandparents all the time during I was uh, uh, dealing drugs. So I just rekindled the relationship with them. So they were very happy. Uh, they're still alive? Yeah, they're still alive. Um, they, um, I stopped talking with them when I was 16. Yeah. And a year ago, two years ago, I started to talk with them again. And I was very close with them until that. So, the so that's up. very nice. And I talk with my sister and and that's it. So if you're in Denmark in Christmas time and anybody is alone, you can always call somebody else and and not be alone because I'm with my family so I don't have the time but uh, but that's that's basically it um, well I, I'm looking forward to doing this um, episode to you when you get back come not come back uh, come back and we have oh. an e- another episode in the store a surprise episode soon oh that's right yes. yeah you'll a find a big surprise um all right, well, Jonathan, thanks for doing, and uh, we'll do two episodes when you get to the States next year. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is like December 8th or 9th right now, so I don't even know where I'm going to be at, but we'll definitely meet because I, 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 you always made me laugh because you you, you have a chutzpah, as uh, your people would say. and um, I don't even uh, know what that means. Chutzpah is like uh, uh, daring, guts, and like you would take oh, a because- big re- it's it's a it's a Yiddish, I think, and uh, shmuz was another Yiddish word where you could really could connect with people, good at talking to people mm-hmm. in business. I I I know that's, I mean, chutzpah and uh, shmuzing. That's the two things I always think about whenever I uh, think about you. And the third one is like you have a pretty good, wicked sense of humor. So I, I'm looking forward to introducing you because I think they will get a big kick out of you. They love people with personality and like uh, vision, you know, and. You know, you maybe you didn't go to college in high school, but I mean, what are you like? You speak three, four languages. Yeah, you're, you're, you're you know, you're you're street smart, and um, and I, I'm book smart too. Mm, I just didn't uh, learn it in school. Yeah, that's what happened when you go to prison. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you have to watch a lot of TV and masturbate a lot. So, and you're good at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, Jonathan, um, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, whatever you do, work really hard next five, six months, save that money. And, and, and don't come for two weeks. You should come f- four weeks. Because I'm going to come for four weeks. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be a good experience. And through me, you'll meet a lot of interesting people. And I want to say hello to Danielle and all of those. Yeah, Daniel yeah. Stewart, Chris Neff, Jason, uh, Jason Rouse. And, um, uh, Ron, at, if he's in the States. Uh, Ron Jasso, uh uh, Shazia Mirza and of course you know no her to, I don't that Peggy can stay in the UK <laughs> <laughs> Unar and uh, Monica his wife the- the- Theodorsen Theodorsen yeah so uh, these are great people that I met uh, through you guys and uh, I've been having a good time and um, um, looking forward to seeing you come to USA and I'll, I will do my best to help you meet people because you should and I think you should live in America I don't know how you will get the permission but I'll get that I'm yeah. half Jewish no problem um, and uh, finally Jonathan thanks for helping Michael uh, L. Olson's organization legal you know we you know we joke around but uh, people who are addict I think the Danes are pragmatic people They're doing, I, I, I know that if we do this thing right maybe we could even implement some of the policies in Denmark overseas and help the people that need to yeah. be helped because these are our brothers and sisters with medical problem, health problem. They're not evil people. And the system are punishing these poor people that's just absolutely not necessary. So if you're living in Denmark, uh, if you're visiting Denmark, 
or if you live in Denmark in Copenhagen, please buy the magazine illegal because the. Um, But only from the white guys. <laughs> buy buy the magazine because uh, you're doing two things. One, you're helping people uh, make money so they could turn on used to drugs instead of robbing people or prostituting themselves to f get their fix. And two, when you buy these magazines, you when you read these articles, it's a really well thought article. So you put face to these problems, and that these are actually real people, just like I said. Brothers and sisters, uncle and aunt, fathers, mothers, a uh, lot of people hide their drug problem, but these are the people in the street. Yeah. So we want to help them and uh, um, be more compassionate about this drug problem. So Michael Olson, God bless you. Uh, please support the Illegal Magazine. It's uh, illegalmagazine.dk for um, Denmark. And uh, um, thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks, Jonathan, and uh, um, talk to you guys soon. Good night.